Hi folks, it's great to be with you this evening by video and we're looking forward to joining you in the Q&A a little bit later on. My name's Matt and this is my wife, Hi, Rana. I'm Rana. And uh, just a very brief background. I don't want to take up our time talking about our background and what led to us becoming church leaders in the first place. But um, I'm a journalist by training and I moved into public relations, which is where I met Rana. And, uh, and I'm an Anglican by background, and Rana was in public relations and corporate communications, and is a Roman Catholic by background, and uh, we came into a, a church in Dubai called Well of Life, which was partnering with the NCMI team at the time, back in 2002. Me for a decade without being in church. Um, that's very briefly the background, and uh, you can find more about us in one of the, do the document that I've put together. Um, but. Um, just the story of the plant very briefly, I, there, there's no cookie cutter church plant really. There, there, there are those stories of, of people that sort of parachute into a foreign environment and start from scratch and their, their, their children make up the first children's ministry and you know the family itself is, is the core of the church. Um, and then there are those that plant with team and, and they go out with people already established or they, they, there's a house group that grows to to a sufficient size that it becomes a, a potential self-sustaining local church. Um, and that's kind of what Abu Dhabi was. It was the latter of those. Um, Mike Eltringham, who was on the NCMI team back in the late 2000s, had a vision for planting seven wells in the seven emirates of the United Arab Emirates. And he'd established a church in Dubai, uh, which itself had been a small group meeting, uh, a group that had been part of the evangelical church ex uh, Bryanston NCMI folks who just had a vision for, for doing something that was more apostolic, prophetic, more charismatic. And, um, and that was a small group that met in a home and Mike came across with his wife Charmaine to establish that group, that sort of nameless group as Well of Life Dubai. Um, Mike heard that um, in 2004 that a couple called Wayne and Angela Jones, who were actually our home group leaders in Dubai, he was a lawyer. He was being moved to Abu Dhabi from Dubai, it's about 150 kilometers distance, to set up a law firm in the city of Abu Dhabi. And Mike in 2004 said, well, start something up in your home and see what happens. And Wayne and Angela started with midweek meetings and nothing really happened in that first year. And then in consultation with Mike, Mike said, well, start something up on a Friday morning, which is our equivalent of a Sunday. And that first Friday morning meeting, September the 16th, 2005, is kind of when we date the birth and origins of Cornerstone too. It wasn't called Cornerstone, it was known as Well of Life Abu Dhabi. And over those two years, from 2005 to 2007, um, Rana and I were actually tasked by Mike to travel back and forth to Abu Dhabi to be the point people on the Well of Life eldership team for making sure that Wayne and Angela had the support they needed. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a vision to pastor a church plant as such. They were just being obedient to Mike said, who said, start something up in your home and see what happens. But it became very clear that after two years, there were 35 people or so, and this was a potential self-sustaining autonomous local church. Mm -hmm. And um, during the course of this, um, Mike is saying to us as an eldership team in Dubai, look, there's a, there's a viable church plant uh, developing in Abu Dhabi. Who among you guys wants to go lead it? And as I say, Rana and I were the point people uh, for the team. We, 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 we sort of spoke most, I think, into Wayne and Angela's life in terms of, uh, in terms of worship support and organizing rosters for, for home groups to come and visit. And um, I, I preached, uh, came up to preach quite often to take the burden off Wayne, who was obviously busy in the secular world. 
Um, and during that time, our hearts were being knitted with the people in Abu Dhabi. And meanwhile, Mike is saying, who wants to go? Initially, we were quite resistant. We loved Dubai. We considered ourselves well of life and Dubai people. But at a leadership training time in Bloemfontein in 2006, Ashley Bell on the NCMI team um, at that time, he gave a, a fantastic preach about what to expect when you church plant. And it was really grounded in reality. And it was don't expect farewell parties and you know, don't expect multiple celebrations before you go and all the sentimental stuff. It was about some of the hard, hard sort of preparation for the church plant. And there was a call afterwards, a ministry call, and he invited people who thought they would want to plant a church at some stage just to respond. And Rana and I, without looking at each other, without consulting, um, and possibly even without Abu Dhabi in mind, just in general, we both stood up and said, yes, Lord, we, we are willing to either be involved in a church plant or maybe lead a church plant at some point in the future, according to our own plans, you know, uh, when we've saved a bit of money and, uh, you know, got promotions and... Lots of children. Yeah, all that sort of thing <laughs> in our time. But it was a significant moment. It was a real turning point in God, I think, because he saw our hearts. And then from that time in about October of 2006 through to the summer of 2007, um, our hearts were becoming more and more knitted with the people in Abu Dhabi. I was actually driving potential leaders of this church plant up to Abu Dhabi, uh, guys on the NCMI team that were sort of dropping in because it's a potential base church. Mike could see that, Tyrone could see that um, back in those days. And so team guys would come in and I'd drive them up to Abu Dhabi. And I remember one guy in particular, one visit in particular, um, to be quite honest with you, I just wanted to get Abu Dhabi off my plate so I could focus on Dubai. So in the, in the drive, in the car on the way back, I'm saying, so what did you think of them then? What do you think of those folks in Abu Dhabi? You know, would you like to go there? Would you like to live there? You know, I was a little bit manic about the whole thing. And, um, and uh, he, he said, um, no, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Yeah, I, I think Dubai is a place we'd like to settle in. And my heart was, was uh, you know, I was heart sore. Uh, for the people in Abu Dhabi because I could see that this was a fatherless tribe. Wayne and Angela were doing a sterling job, but in terms of government, eldership, authority, um, these were a fatherless kind of tribe of people, motherless tribe of people. And I, I was doing my bit to, um, to try and introduce a father in, into that group. And when I heard that response, how emotional I was about it and how hurt I was for the people got me thinking about my, my own my own uh, sort of call, sense of potential sense of call into Abu Dhabi. And I, and I actually began asking God, you know, if, if none of these other people who are, who are coming up to Abu Dhabi are to be the father and mother of this work, then is it possibly us? Are, are we to be the father and mother of this work? Mm. Um, and, um, and by the June of 2007, things were crystallizing in such a way that uh, I wrote a note to Mike actually, I wrote an email to him on the 27th of June or something like that, 2007. And I just listed all the pointers for me that were pointing to us being called to Abu Dhabi. Uh, it wasn't just in response to Mike saying, who wants to go? Yeah, we'll go, we'll go, send us. It wasn't just that, we kind of held off on being directed too much towards Abu Dhabi and we really wanted to hear God from ourselves. Yeah. For ourselves and then so I spoke about our relationship with Wayne and Angela how Wayne had been the first person I'd met in well of life how he'd been our home group leader how heart, our hearts were knitted together and so if we were to go to Abu Dhabi I was really confident this was a couple we could build with 
Um, I was actually uh, getting frustrated at the reluctance of some of the home groups in Dubai and, and even some of the eldership couples in Dubai, deacon couples, to actually come and invest time in the Abu Dhabi plant. I was doing rosters, I was helping Wayne out, I was the point person on team. And, and there was this sort of a sense of an ownership that was emerging out of my frustration that people weren't quite as enthusiastic about it as Mike and I were. Um, so that was a bit of a sign for me. Then I had a prophetic picture in a devotional time one morning of a bird in a cage and the door of the cage was open and I got the word threshold, you know, threshold as that point of departure. It was like that little step on the cage and, and the bird wasn't, wasn't crossing that threshold to departure. Now, Well of Life was in no way a cage for us, but, um, but I thought, gosh, is that, is that means God, is God opening the door to an opportunity here and there's a reluctance for me to cross this threshold. And it's not a word you hear very often, the word threshold. And in a telephone call with Wayne later that same week, he actually said, you know what, I, th I feel this, this um, house group in Abu Dhabi is on a threshold, that, that something is about to happen. And I'm like, hmm, there's that word threshold, because it's not a word you use in everyday conversation. You know, might use it about an airplanes in an airport standing on a threshold waiting to take off or whatever. But it was almost like, um, like a little confirmation in that, that God was was prophetically speaking to us himself, not just through Mike now, but directly to our hearts about going to Abu Dhabi. Um, then, um, then there was an, a, a, an epic morning, really. I mean, it was sort of, we didn't know it at the time, but I was, I was praying about Abu Dhabi from Joshua, and God was speaking to me from the book of Joshua about crossing over, crossing over into an inheritance. Funnily enough, a word that's surfacing again now in our church, 12 years on in a key season for us now. Um, but it was about crossing over, it was about not, not being afraid, um, how long, Joshua 18.3, how long before you take possession of the inheritance I've given you, cross-reference with stuff in Deuteronomy and what have you. And then Rana, who was on a business trip, she called me and, and she said, I believe God's been speaking to me about Abu Dhabi. And, um, and he's been speaking to me out of Joshua, do not be afraid, be courageous, etc., etc. So there's that, there was that incredible um, synergy there as well. Mm. And then um, also in this letter, I, I wrote my last bullet point was, I really sense that the season has come and is coming for well of life to plant. Isaiah 6, whom shall I send and who will go for us? So my heart is, here I am, send me. It's not that I think we're the best couple to lead a church plant. And it's not that we really want to leave well of life, but it's, if God is calling us, we want to be obedient and go. And I, and I, I thought, well, we've got to model this. You know, If God is calling us, and well of life had, at that time had not yet planted a church, I, I myself as an elder of that church was keen for there to be a church plant. And so I thought, well, okay, let's just roll up our sleeves. And if no one else is doing it, let's be the couple that plants a church. So there was sort of a lot of different things going on. So before I hand over to Rana, very briefly, just to summarize some lessons from that, for me, the importance of relationships, existing relationships, and how God used existing relationships, friendships, submission and accountability to one another, friends, leaders, um, that he used those to achieve his plans and purposes. Um, there was, if I look back and if I draw lessons from our experience, a willingness to serve outside the local church context, in the plant city itself, um, before we had any ambitions to plant. Um, actively inquiring of God, rather than passively waiting for other people to direct our steps. Mm. Um, the development of a vision for a people in a place, I, I, that began even in the calling stage, beginning the beginnings. It needed to be fine-tuned 
in the actual preparation to go and in the immediate period after our ordination, the vision needed to be fine-tuned. But it was beginning to be there in the very early stages. Um, a growing love for a people in a place, the role of the charismata, the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts. I've mentioned prophecy and how God spoke to us prophetically and, and uh, from people as well to us prophetically. Um, the gift of tongues was also really significant for me. On that 150-kilometer road journey between Dubai and Abu Dhabi, um, I'd just go midweek. I was a freelancer, so I had free time. So I'd just go to Abu Dhabi and pray. And I'd pray in tongues the whole way up and the whole way back. And out of that, God really downloaded a lot of stuff to me. So the charismata are really important. And, um, and training and preparation, you know, which is what you guys are doing now, intentionally upskilling yourselves. Um, serving as an elder in a team, in an eldership team, is not enough training, I don't think, to lead a church plant. Mm. And that's why I know there are guys on this course who are not in eldership team, who are thinking of planting. And I think, you know, you guys can be as well prepared as anyone else in a sense, because I think we get into a false sense of preparation and, and security about going. If we think, well, I've been on an eldership team, I know what this is all about. Mm. You don't really. It's, it's, a different, it's a different animal when you are the, the sole visionary in place. Mm. And so as a couple, you need to prepare yourselves to become a visionary couple. Uh, don't focus so much on being church planters. There's a lot of stuff about church planting and it all gets a bit romantic perhaps. Mm. Uh, if you focus on training yourself and, uh, to be a visionary elder, then you will become a church planter because that's what church planters are. They're visionary, they're visionaries, they're visionary eldership couples. And, and just before I hand over to Rana on that note, if I can just say that, um, the developing of a vision is key for you launching out of your sending church. Mm. Um, but please understand there will be some stuff that God is downloading into you for your new church that is not for your current church. And so just guard your heart again as you prepare to plant against um, division, actually, because you now are rising up to be a visionary couple. And there may be some elements of the visionary leadership in your sending church which you begin to get frustrated with. And, and, and this is why I think the, the, the period between engagement and marriage needs to be quite short, the <laughs> marriage ceremony engagement. If you've determined that you're going to plant, then I would say plant quite soon after God calls you. You know, don't leave, when I say soon, for us it was kind of six months mm. when, from being absolutely sure to being released by the church. Yeah. If you drag it out for two years or three years or four years, when you know you've been called to a specific context and you've not yet gone, um, you're, gonna, you're just going to be a frustrated visionary in, in waiting with, with your own eldership team. You're going to want to do things the way you would do them in your church plan. And so um, I, I when God calls, I would, I would be accountable to your leadership team and prepare to go reasonably, reasonably quickly if you're beginning to get a really strongly developed vision of how you would like to lead your church. Mm. And there's not space for, your, for that vision in your sending church. Yeah. So anyway, that's from me. Wonderful, and uh, hello from me. Friends, I um, this, so honestly, it was life-changing for me, the whole experience of church planting. Uh, for me, the training was key. We spent a whole month in Adelaide training with uh, under Leon and Pat Van Dahl, which is just the most amazing couple. And um, Dudley and Anne were there, and at that time, Tyrone and Nicole, and so many other people spoke into our lives. And one of the key things that was so important was our marriage. It's amazing how warfare and our marriage was core. 
And uh, the big thing, the big sign that Jesus is building his church, not you, that surrender to him. And so I'm going to talk about like maybe four points in my five minutes to really hopefully encourage us to think differently. The first thing I want to talk about is, ladies, you got to hear God just like your husband's heard God or else. When things get tough, you're going to turn around and say, it's your fault. <laughs> so you do not want to be in that place. I heard God and until today. Anytime I get um, upset or people come against us or something comes up that it just like comes against the spirit that we know that God has called us and the vision that God has given us, honestly, I know that I know. I got a rhema word from uh, the book of Joshua and nothing will shake away what God has called me and called us as a couple and this church to be in the city. So I want to encourage you women, be tenacious, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid. It's not his thing, it's your thing as a couple. And men- It's not his, as in the husband's thing. Husband's thing, yeah, not Jesus. It's, it's always Jesus' thing. thing, 100%. <laughs> but it's not your husband's thing. It's not just his little project and you're just gonna take care of the kids or you're gonna work and you do your career. It's you together knitted for what God has called you for. And, mm. and gentlemen, I want to ask you in love, Give your wives the space and the freedom to be all that God has called her to be. Mm. Uh, blow wind in her sail. If she's a preacher or a teacher, or she's got a gift, let her be. Let her be all that God's called her to be. We are a family. I honor my husband. He is the elder, but together we're an eldership couple. And together mm. we're making a difference. So don't hold back. Don't hold her back. Or any women that you feel, no, no, it's a man thing. It's not a woman thing. God has created us equal, he created us with different functions, but he created us to be all that he's called us to be so that we can advance his kingdom together mm. and listen to them. You know, we talk as a family, we, we pray together, we, you know, listen to each other, uh, be there for one another. So that's my encouragement to you. Uh, another important point for me is identity. Uh, if your identity is not rooted in truly understanding your sonship and your daughtership, you will be shaken. The enemy will try to play games at you, bring people that are little rocks in your, you know, in your shoe, like one guy told us in our little, church, little stones, in your, stones shoe. in your shoes, people that irritate you, you get attacked, <laughs> you get things that will truly shake you. But if you're not rooted and knowing that you know that you are the daughter and the king of the most high God, your heirs and co-heirs with Christ, you've got the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, then you will be shaken. So be secure in it. Uh, before you're a pastor or a leader or a ministry leader or a, even a community leader who will have more position and more influence. I really encourage you. This is so important. God had to do a deep work in me because my identity was sorted in my career that I absolutely loved. Um, and he really had to do a very deep work in my heart. So that's something core for me. A third thing is courage and complete surrender to God. I had this incredible picture when uh, we were moving and I remember I said to God, I don't want to be a poor you know, church planter. I'm a, I'm a very uh, comfortable and happy employee. <laughs> I was very successful in my career. Honestly, I always have money in my wallet. I drive the coolest cars. I just had a different lifestyle. And I really felt God say to me, and he gave me this incredible open vision. I was on this beautiful wooden boat and we're going to safety. We were in the sea. I was just chilling, sitting on, at the deck. And I was realized, well, actually, I don't have the wheels in my hands. I'm not the one who's actually taking control of the ship. And as I looked behind my back, I saw just the image of God or Jesus just literally holding the wheel and saying, I'm in control. I'll always take you to safety. You're my beloved daughter. Just enjoy the ride. This is an adventure of a lifetime. 
And so it's always brought me into that place of freedom, a place of peace. Even when there's turmoil, I spend time in his presence, say, Lord, I need you. Take away this turmoil. This is not from you because I know what you've called me for. So have courage, but trust in him. Let him be your anchor. Uh, be strong in the faith and always be hopeful and dream big with him. And the last point, point number four, is that God is going to give you more than you can ever dream or imagine. And uh, over ten, the past 10 years, God has spoken to me through also another open vision of through lots of little details. I can share it with you. You can reach out to me, ladies. I'll be more than happy to share with you. But he spoke to me of the promises he's put in us as a couple and in me as his daughter. And that he's going to give me more than, can, than I can ever dream or imagine. My son, our son, coming after 16 years of marriage was more than we can ever dream or imagine. Mm -hmm. Our life, our church is more than we can ever dream or imagine. And you know what? There's so much more. So as a, maybe just to kind of wrap it up or summarize it from my end, put your trust in him. He is your father. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he wants to guide you and lead you into a future that will blow your mind away. Wonderful. Wow. <laughs> Got to get Rana to preach more in Cornerstone. That's brilliant. Um, we've put together a document. We're out of time. And, and there's so much I would love to share with you. But uh, we can share it in other means. We can share it in the Q&A um, this evening. And, and we're looking forward to that. But I've put together a document and a slideshow. Um, I know there are a lot of Abu Dhabi guys doing this course. So a lot of this will be familiar to you, but for those of you who are not, I've, I've just got a slides on a, on a PowerPoint presentation of, of the kind of uh, the growth of the church over the years from the villa beginnings to, to larger venues and uh, sort of milestones along the way. Um, but more importantly, um, accompanying the, the, the slideshow are some bullet point notes and, um, and more detailed notes in a Word document or PDF. And I talk about perspectives. I've just put together some perspectives on um, church planters perspectives on preparation um, prepare through prayer uh, husband trust god to call your wife recce visits um, submission to the elders of the sending church pre prepare for fatherhood motherhood uh, prepare to be a visionary elder check your motives etc etc too much stuff to go into detail now so perspectives on preparation when when you know the it's getting close to the time where the rubber hits the road you're just about to launch um, perspectives on vision and uh, vision for your plant its identity um, that, that's key for us. We come from a marketing background, so I've got thoughts on, on vision and strategy and identity from the business context. I used to do it for, for blue chip companies as a, as a PR um, manager. Um, it's slightly different in the kingdom because your boss is Jesus and you've got to be patient. He's, he's out, uh, unpackaging vision to you, but you probably have high capacity business people in your church. And so it's that combination of leading through the spirit of God in alignment with the word of God and yet leading in such a way that, that uh, high capacity people understand your, your leadership. So outlining, outlining a vision of where you're taking people to is essential, but let it be shaped by uh, the prophetic um, and outworked through relationships rather than um, shaped through pragmatism and, and outworked through institution and organizational mm -hmm. thinking. I encourage you to think of your church plants as families yeah. and um, families and communities as opposed to institutions, organizations. Mm -hmm. And, and as, you, as you grow, kind of upscale your structures to serve that, that vision, that relational, sort of Jesus-centered relational vision. It's very easy to slip into a kind of a pragmatism under the pressures of growth. Mm -hmm. um, and that will come for you guys. You will be blessed and you will grow. And, and you'll find that the vision God gave you in the very beginning will be a sustaining vision even through growth. 
It, the vision will develop. There'll be things added into the vision, but that vision that God gives you at the beginning, it, it will it will lead to um, a flexible wineskin. Anyway, mm. I'm going into too much detail on that. In the document, there'll be perspectives on vision. Um, there'll be perspectives also on structure um, and governance. And, um, and just to say there that um, people, the, the, the structure, whatever structures you put in place, the structure must always serve the people. Don't force the people to serve the structure mm. and the structure will be a manifestation of your agenda rather than God's agenda um, you know so people end up serving your agenda through the structure that you've put in place to see yeah. your agenda fulfilled again be 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 charismatic be prophetic in your leadership and wait what we did was we waited for God to um, to bring gifts into the church we very felt very strongly that God God said wait for me to bring the gifts into the church, to release ministries to you, and those are the ministries I want you to prioritize. Because mm. me, as a, as a church planter, I wanted to have from the very beginning, men's ministry, women's ministry, X, Y, Z, because this is what a church mm. is supposed to have, and I wanted to be credible. And, um, and God said, no, 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 just wait, wait. Watch for where the shoots come through the surface, and that's where I want you to place the structure. Mm. Don't get don't get people to fill offices and titles. Don't get round holes in round pegs in square holes. Just wait for the gifts I'm going to release into the life of the church, and that's where I want you to put the structure. Mm. And so, structure is very important. I love structure, but the structure must always serve people. The people mustn't serve the structure. Yeah. And it sounds obvious now, but there'll be little key decision. There'll be little points of pressure, little moments of decision making where it could go either way for you. Mm. Uh, and you realize in retrospect, actually what you've done is you've, you've, you've expected people to serve structure rather than the other way around. And can I say also, because I know you're touching on this this evening with Glenn and administration, put good governance in place from the very start. Yeah. Now you may not have all the skills required in terms of administration, but, but don't start with messy organization and messy mm. administration and pray for an angel to come later on to sort it all out for you. Make sure, as far as you are gifted to, uh, and if necessary, call upon your sending church to help, make sure you have good governance in place from the very, very beginning. So Otherwise, a, a year or two could go by and someone's got to come in and they've got to redo your finances, they've got to redo you know, aspects of your organization, particularly in the area of finances where accountability will be key. The enemy may, may try and attack you in that area of finances, and so make sure you've got good governance in that area from the very beginning. Don't have sloppy bookkeeping. Have great bookkeeping from the very beginning. So good. Um, anyway, all, all that sort of stuff is in the document. So we'll see you guys a little bit later on in the Q&A. But we love you. Even if we don't know you, we love you with the love of, love of Jesus. And we pray all goes well in, in, uh, in your prayerful reflecting of whether God is calling you to, to plant or transition.